Good morning. Happy Easter. You tired of saying it yet? He is risen. He is. He's risen indeed. That was a greeting of the early church. We, we tend to do it every Easter, but it doesn't really get old because without that, we're wasting our time. If he's not alive, this whole thing is a sham. And uh, I bought a suit for nothing. In case you're wondering, yes, I am the same pastor who's here every week, but I wear a suit for three occasions, uh, funerals, weddings, and Easter, which is a little bit of both. Amen. And uh, so it's, we're, we're to celebrate today, and I'm excited. I hope you are too. And uh, as we dive into the text this morning, if you've got your Bible with you, uh, you can open up to John chapter 11, or if you've got an app on your phone, you can turn there too. That's great. And uh, if you don't have a Bible, there's Bibles in the pew racks in front of you. And if you need a Bible, you can just take that with you. That's yours. That's our gift to you. Um, but tell you what, as you're turning there, let me pray. And then we're going to dive into the text together this Easter morning. Let me pray. Father, thank you for Jesus. Lord, I don't say that lightly. It's, it's the truth. Jesus, apart from you and apart from your work on the cross, um, th- this is all a waste of time. Jesus, this morning I pray that as I preach and teach your word, Holy Spirit, would you teach through me and even teach me? Um, remind us even of the truth that we sang that, Lord, when you call our name, uh, we run out of the grave, uh, both now and in the future, if we wouldn't be here on this earth when you return. And we're going to see that with Lazarus this morning, Lord. So I pray that you would, uh, would teach us, give us hope. And um, for those maybe who've never trusted you, Holy Spirit, would you work in their heart that today would be the day of salvation for them? Pray against the enemy, his servants, their works and effects. His plans were utterly thwarted on this day 2,000 years ago. And we praise you for that. We pray all this through Jesus, our Savior. Amen. So we're going to be in John chapter 11. And to set this up, I'm going to say to you now what I always say at the end of the service. Do you know what it is? It's three little words that we always say at the end of our services. What is it? You are, say it with me, you are loved. Turn to your neighbor and tell them you are loved. Now turn to your other neighbor in case their neighbor didn't tell them. You are loved. Do you know that's true? You are, you are more loved than you ever imagined. By Jesus Christ. More loved than you ever hoped. By Jesus Christ. Now the flip side of that is also true. We're also all more wicked than we ever feared. And more vile than we ever feared. But you are more loved than you ever dreamed. By Jesus. And and we say that every week. Because we want you to know that you're loved by him. And we want you to know that you're loved not only by him. But by us. We don't do it as perfectly as he does. Far from it, we fail. But you need to know you're loved. And the only reason we love is because he first loved us. Well, this morning we're going to see an expression of Jesus' love in John chapter 11 that's going to make you scratch your head a little bit. It, it will. Because uh, it, it's going to be one of those that you go, if he loved, why did he do that? As we head into this, you should know that the Gospel of John, John, when he writes his Gospels, he's more prone to writing uh, pockets of irony through his text than any other and double meaning. Like, um, you know, he, he, he says something someone says, and he knows that his readers who have already been on this side of the cross look at it and go, they had no clue what was happening. How cool is that? 
And you're going to see it big time. Chapter 11 is like the highlight of all the ironies that John writes. And we're going to see a few this morning. But let's get into the text. Let's read together, starting in verse 1 of chapter 11. Chapter 11 of John says, Now a certain man was ill, Lazarus of Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. Bethany is just a small village. It's about two miles. We'll find out later in the text from Jerusalem. And it's separated. uh, The Mount of Olives is between the two of them. And Mary, this Mary isn't Jesus' mother Mary. It's not, it's also, it's not Mary Magdalene. Uh, this is Mary, Martha's sister. There's a handful of Marys, I think five or six that show up in the Gospels. And this is, this is a different one. She shows up one other time in Luke chapter 10 with her sister. And um, Luke actually references a previous visit of Jesus. Remember, Martha was like really, really busy. And she just wanted to do all these things to serve Jesus. And then she yells at her sister because she's being lazy and just sitting at his feet. That's this Mary and Martha. Well, it was, it was Mary. We also find out later in the text, John writes this. This happens later, but he writes it here. He says, it was Mary who anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was ill. Now we find out this Lazarus guy is their brother. They're all siblings. So Lazarus is sick. And, and so the sisters said to him, sent to him, excuse me, saying, Lord, he whom you love is ill. The one you love, Lazarus, I, we know you love us. You've told us, you've demonstrated us, demonstrated it to us. He's, he's sick. He's not doing well. And my guess is um, when they sent to him, they tried everything else that they could. They, they had gone to all the doctors. They had, they had done all the treatments. They had done all the, the clinical studies. They had done everything. <laughs> he wasn't getting better. And they had seen Jesus perform miracles before. So now it's time. We've got to go to Jesus. And maybe... He can save him. If no one else can, he surely can. And so they go to Jesus. But when Jesus heard it, he said, this illness doesn't lead to death. It's for the glory of God so that the son of God may be glorified through it. What a statement. This illness does not lead to death. Now, if you know the rest of the story, if we would keep reading, you're going to find out it, it actually does lead to death. Lazarus dies. What a callous statement. Can you imagine if you went to the doctor and you were diagnosed with cancer and the doctor or the nurse comes in or, or somebody, a friend comes in and goes, oh, you don't need to worry about this. This doesn't lead to death. You're going to be just fine. You're like, dude, it's stage five cancer. Ah, no problem. Can you imagine? Doesn't that seem callous of Jesus? Well, here's the deal. Jesus knew what was coming later. He knew he was ultimately it was not going to end in death. And he says, in fact, this illness doesn't lead to death. It is for the glory of God. See, here's what's going to happen. Lazarus is going to die. I'm giving you a spoiler alert. He's going to die. And uh, Jesus is going to raise him from the dead. Only uh, notice Jesus doesn't say that his resurrection was for the glory of God. He says his illness was for the glory of God. How does that strike you? This is for the glory of God, that the, the Son of God may be glorified through it. Now look at verse 5. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister Lazarus. And Lazarus. So just in case you forget, John's saying, remember, he loves them. It's not a callous statement. He, he loves them. So, or your translation may even say, therefore, because he loved them, 
when he heard that Lazarus was ill. Now, if you get a call, a family member is deathly ill. A good friend is incredibly ill. They're in the hospital. They're not going to make it. They're on their deathbed. You get the phone call. What do you do? You're like, I'm on my way. I'll drop everything. I'm on my way. That's what you do, right? I hope that's what you do. Look what Jesus does. Because he loved him, he heard Lazarus was ill and he said, I'll be right there. No, look, because he loved them, he stayed for two days longer in the place where he was. By the way, you are loved, Lazarus. You're loved by Jesus. So when you're sick, he's going to delay. See, the first thing I see in the text here is that in his love for us, um, and when faced with a desperate plea, Jesus demonstrated his love by delaying. He didn't come right away. He demonstrated his love by delaying. What is that about? He stayed two days longer. He stayed two days longer. What a jerk. Then after this, he said to his disciples, so after two days, look at verse 7. He said to his disciples, he said, let us go to Judea again. So in other words, let us, let us go towards uh, Bethany by Jerusalem. And the disciples said to him, Rabbi, the Jews were just seeking to stone you. And you're going to go there again? See, let me, here's where Jesus is. If you would go back into John chapter 10, you'd find out that Jesus was actually in another town called Bethany. That was about 100 miles away from Jerusalem. And they had retreated there because all of the Jewish leaders and all of the people were angry at Jesus in chapter 10 because he dared to claim that he was God. <laughs> well, it's okay to claim it when you are, right? And so, so he took off because they were going to kill him. And they all left and they went to this town called Bethany across the Jordan. It was where John had first begun baptizing. And now they're going to go. He says, let us go back to Judea. And in his mind, we're going to the other Bethany, the one right next to Jerusalem. And his disciples are like, are you crazy? We were just there and they all want to kill you. It would have taken them in 95 to 100 miles. It would have taken them about four days to get there. Averaging 20 to 25 miles on good days. It would have taken them at least four days to get there. So Jesus answered, he says, are there not 12 hours in a day? If anyone walks in the day, he does not stumble because he sees the light of this world. But if anyone walks in the night, he stumbles because the light is not in him. I'm not going to totally unpack these two verses other than to say, Jesus is saying, uh, while I'm here, it's light. And while it's light, I have work to do. And there's coming a day where night is coming when I won't be here and, and we'll stumble that you'll stumble then. Uh, but right now I've got work to do. I've got work to do. We've got to go do this. He's, he's, he's telling them in no uncertain terms that we have to go to Judea. So after saying these things, then he says to them, Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I go to awaken him. Now, this next verse, I hope when you read the Bible, sometimes you look at it and you just laugh. Because I think this is kind of a funny scene. See, look what happens. Jesus says, Lazarus has fallen asleep. Now, to, to fall asleep, that's a metaphor the Jewish people would have understood even back in the Old Testament. You know, it says, so-and-so died and went to sleep with his fathers. It means they're, they're dead. They've passed away. But, but look how, how the disciples understood it. The disciples said to him, Lord, if he's fallen asleep, won't he recover? He'll, he'll wake up in the morning, right? If he's taking a nap, he'll, he'll wake up at some point. Why, why do you got to go wake him up? Doesn't he have an alarm clock? Why do you got to go back? They don't want to go back because they know the, the, what's coming when they approach Jerusalem again, Jesus' death. 
Now, Jesus had spoken of his death, but they thought that he meant taking rest and sleep. That just, does that make you laugh a little bit? So then he turns to his disciples and he, said, he told them plainly, he's like, guys, he's not sleeping. He's died. He's dead. He's passed away. He's gone. And for your sake, I'm glad I wasn't there. Again, what? Jesus loves them, so he delays. And now he says, I'm glad I wasn't there. Was he scared to see him die? Was he, why is he glad? So that you may believe, he says. But let us go to him. So Jesus clears it up. And then Thomas, who's called the twin. Now the only, maybe the way you know Thomas is as the doubter, but literally his name means twin. And here he doesn't show much doubt. He shows a lot of confidence. He says, uh, let us also go so that we can die with him. He knew they were going to die. Now listen, I don't know what you come into Easter with, what you're carrying. Uh, but, but Mary and Martha had a big burden that their brother, Lazarus, was incredibly ill on his deathbed. And then in fact, he died. And they pleaded with Jesus, Jesus, where are you? Please come. We, we need help. And Jesus, because he loved them, delayed. What are you facing today? Everyone in this room, you've, you've probably got something that comes to mind. Maybe where you've cried out to the Lord, where are you? Why, why don't you come? Why don't you help me? And in his love, do you believe that? You're loved? Maybe he hasn't answered the way you wanted him to. Maybe he's delayed his coming to you to rescue you. Let's keep reading, though. Now, when there's purpose in it. Now, when Jesus came, he found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Ouch. He blew that one, didn't he? Not only did he leave two days late, but then he got there four days late. But this, you know what this tells me, too? If that journey was four days from the other Bethany to this Bethany, he wouldn't have made it in time anyway, would he? And so by delaying, he's waiting on God's timing. And I believe that the moment that he, he says, hey, let's go to Judea, guys, in verse 7, that's probably the moment the Holy Spirit reveals to him, Lazarus has passed away. You need to go. And so for four days, Lazarus is in the tomb. Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles off, and many of the Jews had come to Martha and Mary to console them concerning their brother. Jews would have come from Jerusalem to mourn and to weep with Mary and with Martha over their, their brother dying. They're professional mourners. Now, I don't know about you, but like today when, when you go mourn, you go to a funeral, what do you do? Usually you walk into the funeral home, you kind of lower your voice. You come into the funeral and you're just kind of quiet. You're just... You're very, very somber, very respectful. Not in that day. When, when there was a mourning, when there was a funeral, there was weeping and wailing. And, and the, the poorest of the poor would, always, would hire at least a couple flutes and at least one woman to wail and mourn for them. And it was loud and obnoxious. And the flutes would play these dirges in minor keys. And it was just... Ah! Like, like my son in the middle of the night when his teeth are coming in. And it's just, it's so, it's just painful. Now, if you did that, you came into a funeral doing that. Everybody would look at you and be quiet. Get out of here. But that, that's, that's the way they mourned. And so look at this text, though. Look, they had many Jews. So Mary, Martha, and Lazarus are a prominent family. They're a wealthy family, likely. They had many who came to mourn and to wail with them. And they would do it for days on end after a funeral. 
So when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went and she met him. But Mary remained seated in the house. That sounds familiar, doesn't it? Remember the story of Mary and Martha in Luke chapter 10? Martha's busy serving, and she yells at her sister Mary for just sitting and soaking things in. And why don't you help? Why don't you? Martha is like, I gotta do something. I cannot sit still. I gotta do it. How many of you are Martha's? Like, you cannot quit moving. You gotta be doing something. Neither one's wrong, it's just different. We're different. Well, that's Martha. So she couldn't sit around anymore when she heard Jesus was coming. She went and met him. And we're going to find out she met him before he even got to town. And Martha said to Jesus, as soon as she saw him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother wouldn't have died. If you had been here, my brother would not have died. But wait a second. It was a four-day journey, right? He would have died anyway. Jesus couldn't have made it in time. And what you're going to see here in a moment is in this time of grief and of devastation, Jesus points us to himself. See, look, he, but, but, uh, but you, know, you know, maybe that's, that's your response. It sounds like a rebuke to Jesus. Maybe, maybe you do this. Lord, where were you on that one? If you had come through, this would have never happened. Um, and the thing is, she's right. If Jesus could have been there, he could have saved her brother, couldn't he? He could have, but he didn't. And the thing is, you're right. Jesus could step in and fix your problem like that, but maybe he hasn't. But in verse 4, remember, he had purpose in it. It was because he loved them that he delayed his return. It's because, remember, when life's incredibly hard and unbearably hard, Jesus still loves you. He still has purpose in it for you. Look at Martha's response, and this should be our response. Even in her grief, even in her frustration that Jesus hadn't gotten there, she says, but even now I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give you. Even now, even after he died, in the midst of my suffering and all of my mourning, even four days later, I still trust you. Even in the hard circumstances, Lord, I know you're still with me. I know you love me and I I still cling to you. Is that your response? In the midst of heartache and suffering? You didn't expect to come. That's Good Friday service, right? We talk about suffering. What are we talking about on Easter for? Because Easter is the hope. Look what Jesus says to her then. This might seem, just look at this. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. And Martha said to him, I know, I know that he'll rise again in the resurrection on the last day. Kind of like, that seems kind of callous on Jesus' part too. That's like the, you know, the, the pastor who comes up to you after the funeral and he's just like, I know they've died, but you don't need to worry. They're with the Lord and you should smile. You just want to kick him, don't you? If if I've done that to you, I'm sorry. I never meant to hurt you that way. You can kick me next time you see me. But it, it, it seems like that's what Jesus does, doesn't it? But Martha missed the point. Look at what Jesus says then. He turns her attention to him. And away from her brother's death, Jesus said to her, Martha, I'm the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. Let me say that again. I'm the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, even though he dies, shall never, yet yet he shall live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. And Martha probably goes... Then Jesus goes, do you believe this? Do you? Do I? 
See, if we really believe this, if Martha, if you really believe this, your perspective is totally going to change right now. Because I think Martha gave a great confession of faith. It was really good. But how is it affecting her life in terms of how she was facing this suffering right now? She'd express trust. She'd... How's, it, how's it facing you in this moment right now in your own suffering? Do you believe this? She said to him, yes, Lord, I believe that you're the Christ. The son of God is coming into the world. She still didn't quite get what was happening. She still didn't quite get the question. But Jesus was pointing her to himself. After this, um, she goes to call her, her sister Mary. I wonder if she just left Jesus standing there. She was just, she had to go. Now I got to go get Mary. She didn't really say goodbye. Just, I got to go get Mary. And, and you're going to see here in a moment that Jesus responds to death. I believe the suffering with tears and with outrage. Look at this, verse 28. When, when she had said this, she went and she called her sister Mary, Mary, saying in private, the teacher is here and he's calling for you. And when she heard it, when Mary, wrote, when Mary heard it, she rose quickly and she went to him. Now, Jesus had not yet come into the village. That's what makes me laugh again. I think Martha just took off on him, but was still in the place where Martha had met him. Did Jesus kind of shake his head when she took off? Like, where's she going? When the Jews who were with her in her house, remember all the people wailing and mourning, consoling her, consoling Mary, saw Mary rise quickly and go out. They followed her. They were there to support her. Uh, supposing she was going to the tomb to weep there. They, they were going to bring the weeping and the, the noise along with her. And when Mary came to where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet, saying to him, she says the same thing Martha did, Lord, if, if you'd been here, my brother would not have died. Verse 33, when Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in his spirit and he was greatly troubled. And he said, where have you laid him? And they said to him, Lord, come and see. And Jesus wept. You know, in this passage, there's tears and there's outrage on Jesus' part. Like look at verse 33. It says that he was deeply moved. You know, that's a terrible translation. You're like, what? It really is. If you would see this in German or in French or in Spanish, you would find out that it's not deeply moved. I mean, that, that's, that's the expression for whatever reason in English tradition and English translations that's come through, probably because of verse 35, the easiest one to memorize in the whole Bible, if you need one, Jesus wept. It's easier to remember that than it is the reference, right? Jesus wept. But why did he weep? Well, I think verse 33, really that word that's translated deeply moved is more rightly translated. He was outraged, full of emotion. When he, when he saw them coming, when he saw them mourning, he was outraged and he was troubled, greatly troubled. And he said, where have you, where have you laid him? And they said, Lord, come and see. And then he wept. Now, oftentimes you read this and you think, well, he wept because he cared for his friend Lazarus and he cared for these people. And that's true. But he also wept because he cared for them in the sense that they, they, they missed who he was. And he wept because of the outrage and all the anguish and all the horror that death and sin causes. He wept. He saw all these people coming out mourning and wailing and crying. And why were they? Because of death. But why is there death? Because of sin. 
Because we've jacked it all up. He's, he's outraged. And he weeps. So the Jews said, seeing him weep, see how he loved him? See how he loved him and he did love him. But some said, well, why couldn't he have opened his eyes to the, of the blind man? Why, he opened the eyes of the blind man. Why couldn't he also save this man from dying? And then Jesus deeply moved again. Again, has this idea of, your, your, your translation might even have a little bullet point in the bottom that says angry or outraged or in, in uh, a handful of different words there, depending on your translation. Upset again, he came to the tomb. It was a cave and a stone lay against it. He's, he's angry at death. He's furious at the consequences of sin and all the anguish it causes us. And they, they come to the tomb. And the tomb, by the way, would have been a cave like this one. It would have been uh, chiseled out. And uh, uh, there would have been in the cave on this next slide, little niches in the cave where they would have laid the body wrapped up. And uh, it would have been slid in. And that little hole is about this high. So they would have slid somebody in there and then let their body decay and, and potentially come back later to grab the bones and bury them somewhere else. Very similar to the tomb Jesus was buried in. And there was a stone that laid against it. On Jesus' tomb, we find out there was a stone that actually rolled away from the opening. And then Jesus says in verse 39, he says, take away the stone. And again, I got to laugh here again because of Martha. Look at Martha. The sister of the dead man said to him, Lord... By this time, there will be an odor. It's going to stink. It's going to be nasty. Are you sure? He's only been dead for, he's been dead for four days. And I don't know that you want to open that. Jesus said to her, did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? He says, Martha, don't you remember verse 25 and 26? Don't you remember, I'm the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me, he shall never die. Don't you remember? So verse 41, they took away the stone and Jesus lifted up his eyes and he prays. He says, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this on account of the people standing around, that they may believe that you sent me. And when he said these things, he cried out with a loud voice, loud voice. And uh, I think uh, he had been experiencing grief and anguish and outrage and tears. I don't think it was a Lazarus come out, you know, like, like maybe on some recording. No, it's like Lazarus come out. I'm telling you, it was, it, that's just, that's just what I believe when you look at the context and the emotion Jesus had in this moment. I might be wrong. We can watch it on DVD together and find out when we get to heaven. <laughs> but I think that's what happened. Now, everybody who's standing, can you imagine if you're at a funeral and they lower the casket in the ground and somebody walks up, and they're like, get out! <laughs> Come out! What'd you do? What do you think everybody who was there mourning? I bet it got quiet all of a sudden for once. Because he would have had to shout over the whalers. 
And, and they, what did he say? He's like cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs. What's he talking about? Come out. First he opened the tomb and now he's telling him to come out. I think there might have been a pause, silence, waiting, maybe some murmuring. All eyes focused back and forth between the tomb and Jesus. And then the man who had died, John writes, this is maybe the delay, his hands and feet bound with linen strips and his face wrapped with a cloth. He came out, but he had been wrapped for burial. Lazarus was like, I mean, it's kind of funny, isn't it? But it's, it's, it's so amazing. It's so amazing. He comes out. Jesus called his name and, and he came out of the grave. I wonder how long they stood there and looked at him because Jesus finally had to say, unbind him, let him go. Go and bind him, let him go. His tears and outrage turned to him demonstrating his power over death and suffering. And as we go on through the rest of the text, it says, Many of the Jews, therefore, who had come with Mary and had seen what he did, believed in him. Uh, some didn't. They went to the Pharisees and told him what Jesus had done. And then uh, eventually the Pharisees plot again. They resolve to kill him. And uh, a few, Jesus stays there. And it's only a few days later that he actually goes into Jerusalem to be crucified himself. If you read back through the text, it's literally at, the, at, at, at least six days, at the most probably a couple weeks before Jesus actually goes into his own death on the cross and his own burial in a tomb, not unlike Lazarus' tomb. And uh, Jesus dies on Good Friday. He's buried. He's wrapped just like Lazarus. He's put in the tomb, put into one of those little niches inside the tomb, and a big stone is rolled in front of the entrance to the tomb. And three days later, finally, uh, uh, the women get there to anoint his body. And the, the, the stone's been rolled away. Wait a second. This is eerie because we just saw this happen uh, only, only days ago with Lazarus. And they go in and uh, unlike Lazarus, the, the cloths that he had been wrapped in were still there, but there was no body. What happened? Who, did somebody take his body? Um, what are we going to do now? And then the angel appears. You Don't fear. He's risen just like he said he would. He's the resurrection and the life. And whoever dies, if he believes in him, even though he dies, he will live forever. Do you believe this? Do you believe this? Listen, in the midst of all their suffering, in the midst of all your suffering leading into this day, I don't know what it is. I don't know what it is for you or in your life. Maybe it's been years. Maybe it's been weeks. Maybe it's been the weekend. You need to know Jesus is the resurrection and the life. And that if you would believe in him, even though you died, no matter what you're facing, you can live For those of you, if you've never trusted Jesus Christ, here's what Easter is all about. It's a gift exchange. It's much more of a gift exchange than Christmas is. You give Jesus all of your sin and all of your filth and everything you've ever done, and he gives you back life. And he takes it all, and he dies on the cross with it, and he says, this is what you deserve, but I'm doing it for you because I love you. 
And life may be hard going forward. I may delay, but it's so that you see my glory. So you get your eyes off of you and onto me. And he gives you life. And to, to receive that life, all you do is you repent. The Bible says that's just to turn. To turn my attention from my sin and from me and to turn it on Jesus. And to trust him. For others of you, you've made that decision. But the reality is, much like Martha, you confess that over and over. Yeah, I I believe that, Lord. Yeah, I believe we're all going to rise again one day. It'll be great. I believe it. How's that playing itself out in your life? See, Paul writes in, 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 in Galatians that I've been crucified with Christ, yet it's no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who delivered himself up for me. See, it's not only hope for that one day when we die, he's going to call our name and we'll come out of the grave. But in in this side of, of, of death, you have life and you can live it out. You no longer need to sin. You no, you no longer need to struggle with those things. You can trust him and follow him and be new and live it today. Do you get that? Will you take the truth of Easter with you today if you've already trusted Jesus and live it out? And enough of the ho-hum? Okay, Eeyore Christianity, I suppose. One day it'll be better. Now live it out today, man. Do you believe this? We're going to close, and uh, as we close, we're going to sing. If you believe this, I would encourage you to sing with your whole heart. Sing like you mean it. If you were here on Good Friday, we nailed things to the cross. And you need to know those things are there. They stay there. And now when you trust Jesus, you are arisen to new life to walk with him forever. Amen? Amen. Let me pray. Father, thank you for Jesus. Thank you for your grace to us through him and for the example of of Lazarus. And then also, Jesus, your own death, burial, and your resurrection. Lord, Lazarus was raised again only to die again, but Jesus, you raised again, you were raised never to die again, and we will all raise, be raised by you to be with you like that forever if we've trusted you. I pray for those this morning, Lord, who maybe have never put their faith in you. Might today be the day that they hear those words, that you are the resurrection and the life, that there is no way to the Father but through you, that anyone who would believe in their heart and confess with their mouth that that Jesus, you died on the cross for their sins and that God raised you from the dead, will be saved. Might today be the day of salvation for them. And Lord, for the rest of us, might it be a day of hope, of putting our sin to death, Jesus, leaving it on the cross and living with passion for you. Turning our eyes away away from ourselves and from our suffering. We're so much like Mary and Martha in that way. And instead, Jesus, turning our eyes to you. We love you. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.